SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. It's 11 minutes past nine in the evening. Something to sober us up a bit. South Africa's unemployment rate climbs to 27.6%. That's a statistic that could easily, depending on which institution you use, could give us a, fi- a figure as much as 38%. Michael Bagram joins us now, an attorney based in Cape Town and the DA Shadow Minister of Labour. Bags, good evening. And thank you for having me on air. I really appreciate it. Thank you for making the time. Michael, thank you so much for making your time to talk to us about South Africa's unemployment rate. Tell us what these figures are. I mean, 30%. Let's just work with 30%. It could be 27, it could be 35, depending on who you're speaking to. Let's work with the number 30%. 30%. Yeah, we'll take the medium. Well, 30% is horrific. If you look at it in terms of world figures, we are the worst in the world. Um, I mean, and I'm trying to compare us to we worse off than Zimbabwe. Um, and I'm comparing us to the rest of Africa. Um, no one is as bad as South Africa, which is terrible because we are a rich country. We are a country that has great people, highly qualified people. We have a fantastic business environment. Uh, we have minerals. We have all sorts of um, mineral wealth, gold, diamonds. Uh, it just doesn't make sense that there's something radically wrong with the system that we have to condemn, especially our young people, because it's all very well to talk about 30%. But when you look at the ages 15 to 25, yeah, we are at 52%. In other words, if you look at a group of five kids, almost three of them can't find jobs. And we also know that statistics tell us that if you haven't found a job for four or five years, then you're never going to find a job in your lifetime. Well, what are we doing? We're condemning our youth to a life of misery, and they're not going to put up with it. They're just not going to put up with it. People are not that way inclined anymore. They don't just sit back and say, oh, well, I'm condemned to a life of no job. They're going to make something happen. What? And what are they going to make? an Arab Spring. It could be people turning to crime. It could be people turning to drugs. We can't afford that for our youth. And so I think you and I have to agree, put politics aside. We have to agree we've got to do something. When Germany hit 5% unemployment, they declared a state of emergency at 5%. And if we agree that it's 30%, uh, Kosato tells us it's almost 35%, but let's say it is 30%, government says 278 uh, it's just not acceptable in anyone's terms. I know that our president, President Ramaphosa, has said this is disastrous, uh, that we can't afford it. Um, he has quite categorically said, both at the job summit in December, I think it was December last year, he said we can't continue like this, it can't be business as usual. If our president's saying that and everyone else is saying that, then we would have expected that in this first quarter, we would have had some results, that we would have created jobs. Let me just get some stats there, Bags. According to stats that say the number of employed persons decreased by 240,000-odd to 16.3 million in Q1 2019, while the yeah. number of unemployed persons increased by 62,000 to 6.2 million compared to Q4. Now, 6.2 million, for those who don't know, it's the entire population of New Zealand and some. 
Where but, are the but, fundamental issues that are facing South Africa from a jobs retention perspective? I mean, we had the Minister of Higher Education talking to us about skills and related matters and some of the contributions coming in from there. The university students are not making the necessary migration even into the business sector and absorbed and maintaining their positions there. Bags, what is wrong with the labor market? Well, look, there's a lot wrong. And I, I mean, I can speak for months on this because I, it's a passion of mine, as you know. It's something that I, I feel heart sore about. We've got labor legislation. We've got some of the best labor legislation in the world. I know when I travel, I went to Germany recently. I've been to Israel recently. When I travel, I boast about our labor laws. But these labor laws are not conducive to job creation. They're certainly not conducive to people wanting to grow their businesses, and, and there's a major problem. Well, let's take. Let's, can I give you one small example? Sure, sure, sure. We've got we've got a national minimum wage. Now, I wasn't a great fan of this national minimum wage, but we've got it. It's law, and we now got to work with it. And as any good lawyer says, yes. once you've got legislation, work with it to the best ability of your clients and to the best ability of our economy. So we've got this national minimum wage, and yes, the uh, Treasury have said that we'll probably lose jobs. They said anything up to a further 750,000 jobs could go missing because of the national minimum wage. Uh, but let's, let's take it that we've got it. Then what we've got is we've got a Minister of Labor. I don't know if she's still Minister of Labor, but Minister Willie Fund then had to make regulations to go with the national minimum wage. Yes. And when I complained that the national minimum wage is going to lose jobs in agriculture, it's going to lose jobs in domestic service, it's going to lose jobs in manufacturing, she said, don't worry. And I asked her the question directly. She said, don't worry. If the company is suffering, they can apply through the exemption process, which I'm going to regulate. And which was a bit of a relief. I was feeling a little bit happier at that point when the minister said, no, she'll put in regulations so you can apply for the exemption. So what does she do? She puts in regulations, first of all, that are almost impossible to understand. And they most complicated set. Look, I'm not a clever guy, but at least I've practiced <laughs> law. So I should be able to understand regulations. I can hardly understand it. I don't know how a small business is going to be able to understand it when I've been practicing law for 37 years. Yes. But there's another problem. She put a maximum of two rand per hour as a, an exemption process. So you can get off, what does that instead mean? of paying 20 rand an hour, you can get off two rand and you can pay 18 rand an hour. Now that doesn't help. Take the sector, for instance, um, in, in our economy, the sector that's probably the most downtrodden, and that's the uh, assisted workshops. For people in the disability sector who go to workshops and go to work every day, they've got some dignity. They're not getting 20 rand an hour. They're getting sponsorship from government at around about 12 rand an hour. And now we're having to see, because of the national minimum wage, we're seeing these workshops close down because they don't have the money. They don't make profit, these workshops. They rely on the provincial governments for money. who we'll give them about 12 rand per hour per employee. And now the minister has done nothing about it and allowed them to apply for an exemption to 18 rand when she knows full well that all they're getting is a... Is a uh, it's 12, 12 rand. So what I'm saying is we need to get back together. We all got to hold hands together as South Africans 
and put the politics aside. The politics must be over now because the elections have come and gone and dusted. Now we have to see how do we create jobs. And the minister has to say, I need to look at these regulations. And with a stroke of a pen, I can give people better exemption procedure. Uh, this is real nonsense that we've got regulations which are acting as a handbrake to job creation. Let me give you some figures there. Compared to the same time last year, employment losses of 86,000 persons were largely driven by community and social services, 211,000. You mentioned construction, 92,000. Manufacturing, 69,000. Agriculture, 9,000. Which is more, people working in these spaces are oftentimes limited in skill, oftentimes limited with option outside what it is that they are doing. Now you've got as many of those people, and the numbers are increasing by the hour, literally with all these um, sequestrations and liquidations and the case. The outlook is even more bleak as it currently is. Well, let me, let me give you another little piece, piece of statistics. For every single person that we've got working in this country, they're looking after three to four people. So everyone that loses a job, so let's say Joe Soap loses a job, he's got four dependents, that means five people have gone into the poorhouse, and and he is unable to look after the people that he's looking after. We have thousands of households in South Africa where not one person in the household has a job. I mean, that's impossible, absolutely impossible, and it is looking bleak because the government is not doing anything to create an environment that makes it easy for small business to create jobs. I think also most of the economists world over, and I, I agree with them, are saying that the job creators of the future are small business, not big business. Big business has got money, they can mechanize, they can computerize, they can, they can go on to the fourth industrial revolution, they can do all sorts of fancy things without people. We can go into factories in, in the Eastern Cape now that are manufactured cars, it used to employ 10,000 people, and I only need 100 people because they're all technicians. Yeah, let's so talk that's about... that's what we're looking at. We're looking at small business. So we've got to concentrate in South Africa on small business, and we've got to concentrate on businesses that create jobs, that need people. We don't want businesses that, that can create machinery through machinery. We want jobs that actually have real people with real skills walking around doing the work. And so that's small business. And if it's small business, then we need to start creating exemptions for small business. There are two words that made America rich. And those you fired. words are, you fired. I remember that. And, and because of those two words, businesses are happy to employ because they're saying, look, if I don't make money out of this individual that I'm employing, I can fire them. In South Africa, you're saying it's easier to get a divorce than fire someone. And I can tell you that because I'm in that business. I, I know that I'm often on the side of the individual, and I can then run that business into the ground because they fired someone. And even if my client had done something really naughty, I can still get the money. So the system is geared against the business, geared against the small business. Big businesses have HR teams. They have lawyers. They have all the fancy things that you need to go and fight. But small business doesn't have that. And so they employ two people. One of them causes trouble. You fire them, and then you can hold them up in the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, Arbitration for months. And then you can even take them to the Labor Court. And then you can bankrupt the small business. Look, that's good fun for lawyers. Sure. But it's not exactly conducive for small business to yeah. think, okay, well, let's create a job.
Bags, hold that thought. It's 21.23. We have to take a quick ad break. If you have any questions for Michael Bagram, who's an attorney, label or attorney, please give us a call. He's more than happy to answer your questions, specifically even personal questions that you might have for him, questions that might pertain to your environment in the workplace. Do so on this understanding, please. This does not constitute legal advice. You do not have a claim against SAFM. You do not have a claim against SABC. You do not have a claim against Songhezo. You certainly do not have a claim against Michael Bregram. It's nothing more than a conversation. It's going to offer you leads, something to think about. Stay tuned. It's 24 past. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezo Mapete on The Viewpoint. Michael Bagram is on the phone talking to us about the latest labor statistics. Very sobering reads. More people by the hour just about losing their jobs. Bags, let's talk about the construction. Let's talk about the manufacturing sectors. Let's talk about agriculture. What has precipitated these massive job shellings? Well, look, I, I'm, I'm a little bit uncertain about this, but I must tell you, the national minimum wage came in on the 1st of January 2019. Yes. The Treasury beforehand warned us that we're going to lose 750,000 jobs because of the national minimum wage. The Ministry of Labor poo-pooed the Treasury and said nonsense. Well, this is the quarter that tells us what's happening. This is the quarter that tells us we've just lost 12,000 jobs from agriculture. Now, this is really, uh, this is very unfair because these are blue-collar workers in agriculture. They don't have specific skills to go into the computer industry or the banking industry or into law. These are people who rely on, and when you lose an agricultural job, it's very hard sore. And I'll tell you why. It's not just a job. It's your family's home. It's your environment. It's everything. Because you live on the farm and you lose that job, you're out in the cold. You'll be on the side of the road. And that's 12,000 people. You multiply that by five, because those are the amount of people that are going to be on the street. We're looking at enormous problems. The Eastern Cape lost 90,000 jobs in this quarter. This is the first quarter of this year. 90,000 jobs in the Eastern Cape. Where are they going to go? The Eastern Cape is not creating jobs. Now, you've got these 90,000, and again, you multiply by five, and you've got an absolute disaster on your hands. And so we need government to actually now say, hold on, this is enough. We can't take this anymore. We have to create an environment where we can start the, the sector, the private sector, creating government can't create jobs. Every time government creates a job, the money just comes out of the fiscus, and it's not productive, and it's normally a short-time job, um, and it's maybe an extended, extended public works job, but they're not full-time, they're not long-term, and not sustainable. We need the small businesses to say, all right, we have faith. We want to create jobs. Now, when Mr. Vavi of Saftu said that businesses are going on an investment strike. Everyone shouted at him. But my feeling is, and I never agree with Mr. Vavi, but tonight I'm going to, he's right. Businesses have gone on an investment strike. Why? Because they're saying that there's a problem. We can't invest in ourselves anymore because we're not getting the results. And if we employ someone, we can't get rid of them. 
And if we employ someone, we're going to land up at the CCMA, and Bagram's going to go and give us a whole, whole, whole time. So we'd rather not. We'd invest in Nigeria. That's better returns on our money, and that's disastrous for our company, for our country. So I, I, I don't know what you think, Songeza, but at the end of the day, I think people must start putting politics aside. They must look at why the Western province is starting to create more jobs than the other provinces. They must look at... In which sectors are you talking about? Sorry? When you say Western province, of course you're talking about the DA. What are you specifically referring to? What numbers and which sectors of the economy are you referring to in the creation of these jobs? Well, well, they've grown. They're growing every year in the the Western Cape. Facts and figures, Uh, And I'm not specifically referring to DA. What What I'm talking about is the whole idea of getting rid of red tape. Um, our, our current premier, or just about to become premier, uh, Windy, Alan Windy, started a, uh, a system years ago. I think it was about five years ago, six years ago. He started a system, and he, he called it red carpet to red tape. And what he was saying is small businesses must come forward. Politics aside, doesn't matter who they belong to. They must come forward and tell the government what is standing in their way of job creation. Because every business has got their own story. Uh, I can tell you a story about a small business that came to me as an attorney. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they were doing was they were exporting exotic skins uh, of crocodile, uh, especially crocodile. They were exporting ostrich skins. And they were making a little bit of money. But then they suddenly came to a crunch where they couldn't get permits to export their skins. You need to get a permit for every skin that you export. Permits, yes. You need to get it. They couldn't get the permits, and they were going bankrupt because they were waiting three, four, five months to get their permit. And they have to pay up front for the skin. And they then approached this uh, red carpet to red tape, and they said, all right, let's overcome this. Let's get um, the administration working properly and get these permits for you in two weeks. And which is what they did. They brought it down to 10 days, which then saved the business, who then went out and employed another 11 people. Now, this is not a big deal, but for them it was a massive deal because they were about to go bankrupt. And what I'm saying to you is it works. There's got to be practical ways of doing it. I think all of us can take a big feather out of the cap from Mauritius. Mauritius has done an amazing thing. If you want to start a small business in Mauritius, you can get the whole thing registered, income tax, VAT, uh, PAY, the whole bit, registered in two days in Mauritius. In South Africa, you can take anything up to four months to get the business registered. Now, what, what does that tell you? That tells you that Mauritius is interested in job creation. They're I think on that point, let me just quickly interrupt politics. the bags. Sorry, I just want to let the listeners know. In I mean, if you just want to understand what Michael Bagram is talking all of is talking about in terms of comparing South Africa to other countries in specific sectors and in particular indicators, I would strongly urge you, fellow South Africans, to go and find that World Bank report. It's called Doing Business, and the latest edition thereof is the 2019 one. It's about a month or two old, possibly, and it has about 12 indicators, including registering a business, securing construction permits, securing 
all manner of permits and establishment as a business. So in other words, it looks at the process of idea to up and running, even to the extent of settling disputes and your interface with fellow businesses and government. Just find that doing business report to better understand these facts and figures, more especially how South Africa compares in key sectors of the economy as it pertains to doing business in the true sense. World Bank report, it's called Doing Business 2019. Get that report. Michael Bagram, let's talk about... The fundamentals in South Africa. President Ramaphosa is now going to be given the mandate for the sixth administration. The DA. Wait, wait, Michael. We now need to have a pact of kind, but that pact, whatever it is, needs a leader. Who in the caucus space that you have engaged with within the ANC would you like to see who is going to drive an agenda that is most responsive to the plight of the unemployed persons? Because right now it's less about party politics and everything to do with getting the right person, man or woman, for the job. Right person, I beg your pardon. Obviously, whoever... President who? No, I'm asking you who you prefer because you've worked in the space now. You've been in the parliamentary caucus. Who do you think is that person who can carry this mandate? Well, I think I think the president, first and first and foremost, I mean, it's got to come from the leader. And I think he understands. He comes from a trade union background. He's been a capitalist. He's made billions. He's a man that understands business. Let's hope that he has the strength of purpose to put out a hand of friendship to everyone in the parliament, not just the DA, but to every single party, and to say, let's work together in this sixth administration. I know that my leader, Muzi Maimani, has put out a hand of friendship. He went to congratulate the president when he won the elections, and he put out a hand of friendship and he said, look, let's put politics aside. We've got to create jobs. I'm hoping that President Ramaphosa appoints someone great as our new Labour Minister, because that's going to be a very key job for the future. Mm. There are some good laws. Um, we're looking for we're looking forward to a wonderful administration in terms of some of the good laws. Let me tell you what what's good, because everyone thinks I'm only giving bad stories. But we've had changes in our Labour legislation. Uh, for instance, let me give you two. Give me I'm one, because I've got three callers who are waiting to give you... Ah, some. Let's, let's talk to them first. Let's talk to them. Okay, Collie in Durban, Colin in Cape Town, and Dr. Confidence in Bedford View. In that order, please. Short and sweet as always. Collie? Uh, good evening to you, Sangesha. And uh, to your um, attorney, Michael Begum. Um, I really miss Michael Begum on the, on the SAFM show. He took off the law report where Michael Begum used to, like, sort of lead, uh, you know, that uh, that section of the topic. And uh, you have the best in the business there, uh, Songeso, uh, who knows, you know, who knows the labor law and the country. And I used to really enjoy him. And, you know, uh, it was so much, he was so informative to the nation and, and all the people that have problems with the, the, the employment and so on. And, you know, it's, it, it's a really missed that uh, he's not in there anymore. I thank you for getting him. Thank you so much. the last question that you asked him, who you think uh, Mr. Ramaphosa is going to appoint, I think it should be him, Mr. Michael Begum. Thank you so much. Wishful thinking, Bags. Don't get your hopes up. Colin in Cape Town. Good evening. Quick Um, question for... It's the first time I'm calling in here. Thank you so much, Colin. uh, I can't remember your name now. Uh, Good evening, Michael. You know, 
I've listened to Michael Bagram so many times on the radio in the labor law. But now what I've discovered now, and after a couple of good years, job losses is quite caused, it's actually caused by unions. Unions know what they can bargain for. But if the members want, say for argument's like 12,000, unions should be able to say, look here, it's impossible what you're asking for. They are scaring investment, strikes. You know how many strikes we have per year? Per year. And I agree with Michael Bagram. One guy loses his job. There's four to five, it's gone. A thousand lose their jobs. There's five, six, seven thousand people. So therefore, I would say one thing. The government must get our labor law in, in order. Uh, our unions, you just hear of strikes, strikes, strikes. I just heard the other day they are striking again for 14,000 rand. Hey, with the garbage collectors and things like that. It's impossible to, to pay people like that. And I would like um, Michael to talk about that. The unions. All right. No, I think I've got the gist of your question. Thank you so much, Colin. We have to move on to Dr. Confidence in Bedford View. Thanks for holding, Dr. Confidence. Uh, good evening, listeners, and good evening, Mike. Um, I've listened to Mike, and uh, I am very disappointed because uh, whatever that he has been saying is uh, a repetition of what uh, the social partners, that is government, business, and labor, have been saying over 13 years, where there has not been any economic growth. Um, the low economic growth trap, they have not been able to unlock it. Um, they are repeating the same thing all over and again. The biggest problem here is that the social partners and people like Mike are not prepared to hear poor South Africans, but they are very eager to bow to rate, rate uh, to the rating agencies. Um, Economics 101 teaches us that household expenditure is one of the key things that can be used to grow the economy. So instead of being obsessed with job creation, which has been done from 1994, we have got to be talking about balancing job creation with job placement, with prioritization of unemployed South Africans especially into the private into the private sector. So we must employ South Africans, we must manufacture and buy South Africans, and we must uh, um, make sure that South Africans are employed. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Confidence Bags. You've got three minutes to reply. Oh, what a pity. Can you imagine? We unfortunately have just lost Michael Bagram, but we'll certainly try and get back to him. We s- I hope, I hope, I hope we haven't lost him because his battery is flat. But it's 22 and we've got all of five minutes. And I was caught a little off guard because I was hoping Michael would reply to that. But I think it's it's important to recognize the idea of investing in South Africa and the context of buying South African products is it's a phenomenon that's accepted the world over that it is the easiest and the lowest hanging fruit in terms of creating jobs in that domestic economy. And I hope Michael Correct. Bagram is bag. So, yeah. I mean, your bags, your bags. So just respond to Dr. Yes, Confidence. I am sorry about that. I don't no know worries. what happened. But yes, obviously, I the last speaker who said, let's buy South African, let's create beneficiation, we call it. 
And yes, I wish we would do that. It's absolutely great. I don't agree with him on the other points at all in terms of job placement. You can't just force people into jobs. You can't expect small companies to take people into a job if they haven't got work. And so that I don't agree with. In terms of the other the other comments, yes, they, they're well and good, and, and we do have uh, ways and means of getting our economy going. Um, I think at the end of the day, we can look forward to a good five years. We can look forward to changing the way we do things. Uh, we can't have business as usual because we're going to carry on losing. We've been losing jobs every quarter since 2013. So there must be something wrong. We've had six years of job losses every single quarter. What did we do right under President Mandela? Why did we grow our economy? Why did we grow the employment figures? <clears throat> and maybe we must look backwards and say, what did we do right in those early days when we had a new government under President Mandela? It worked. Too capitalistic friendly, good. possibly. Sorry? Possibly too friendly towards capital and the legacies of apartheid in terms of exploitation in the workplace. Do we pay sufficient attention to that? And talk about now, I want to incorporate the work of the unions. The exploitation in the workplace, Michael Bagram, is staggering and we don't pay enough. And you seldom ever speak about that. Correct. That is true. And I don't agree with the speaker who phoned in and said we must get rid of the unions. Unions are an integral part of our economy. Our modern economy has to have unions because people can't afford lawyers. They need to have some sort of protection. But unions can also make things work. And yes, if you're going to have exploitation, then you're not going to get the correct um, movement of capital. We can't have the exploitation, but I'm not calling for that. I'm calling for deregulation. But that's exactly what it leads to, for the most part. In a country and in a community such as ours, with all these socioeconomic disparities, Michael, I mean, it's it's, it's obvious. I don't have to have a a full-on conversation to convince you that these things happen. Marikana was a classic case, and 44 of our men and women died there. 44. Well, they didn't die. They were murdered. Well, I didn't want to say it to that 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 extent, but yes. That's that's one good thing that's going to happen in this new administration. We've got new laws where a Minister of Labour can step in, and hopefully we'll get a Minister of Labour with backbone, who can step in and say the strike is not functional, the workers are suffering, the economy is suffering, the business is suffering, I'm going to put an end to it. And we've now got law that has just come in on the 1st of January this year that allows a Minister of Labour to step in and stop those strikes and to say, now I'm going to force you people together to have arbitration, uh, which is fantastic law. We've also got a new law where the Minister of Labour has the power to declare um, a strike non-functional. we also got a new law where every single union has to have a proper mandate, a secret ballot, before they go on strike. So I think we're going to have less strikes in the future, and I don't think we'll ever see Americana again. Well, let's pray that we never see Americana again, and that will also help our economy, that we don't have that downtime that we've seen in the past, where you have businesses, and we've just seen now on the mines a five-month strike and mm, people got terrible. the same increase that people got five months ago. Terrible. That, it'll take them 10 years to catch up on that lost capital. And, and that's a problem. And there we needed government to step in and say, enough. The businesses can't behave this way. The people can't behave that way. And the FISPIS is losing out Keep at the end of the day. So I am hoping 
if we see some goodness come out of this new administration, I know sure. that the Democratic Alliance has put out a hand of friendship to every single other Okay, party Bags, in this the is where we have to cut it now. Not only is Michael Bagram, it's 2144. This is a lot of political campaigning, but nonetheless, I didn't expect anything different from you because that's how you do things. But I appreciate your time, and you're a good friend of mine. I appreciate most certainly your candid response to all the questions that came through. It's a pity we didn't have enough time. But thank you so much, Michael, for availing your time, and we'll certainly have you on a short leash because this conversation is far from over. Thank you. Thanks ever so much for having me on air. Michael Bagram, attorney in Cape Town and MPL, member of the parliament, I beg your pardon, for the DA, Shadow Minister of Labour. It's 21.45. It's time for a quick ad break before we go to our daily soapy, The Paper.